Well, it's Easter 2020. Glory to God. Indeed, my friends, he has risen. You're supposed to say he has risen indeed. You know, I wasn't actually expecting to preach on Easter Sunday. That would have been the first time uh, in the history of Electro City Church. Uh, my wife and I had invited out uh, some dear friends of ours, uh, Mr. R. Kent Hughes and his beautiful wife, Barbara, and we really were looking forward to introducing you uh, to our friends. And we wanted to share them with you, but we'll just trust again that the Lord is sovereign, and maybe if it's the Lord's will, we'll have them back out at another time. Uh, the teaching this morning is going to be out of the book of John, chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. And the sermon title is titled, Don't Lose Hope. You know, I've been challenged by something I've seen on YouTube. It's kind of a fun little thing that I do. I watch funny things on, on YouTube. And, and one of those funny things is a gentleman on there has his own little YouTube page. He's called The Professor. And he's a, a basketball dude. And he kind of travels around the country and he plays pickup games. And he's kind of a small white dude, but he's got some, he's got some quicks. And uh, he's well-respected and people know who he is. But, uh, but he's a real gentle guy. He's a guy that I believe that loves the Lord. He's always got something positive to say about the Lord. So I don't know him personally, but he seems like a pretty good guy. But he, there was this time, uh, I, recently I watched this, this YouTube where there was some other dude on the court and he's kind of hostile towards the professor and he keeps challenging him to a pickup game. And again, the professor is a, a really nice guy, but he kind of pushes and pushes and pushes and, and kind of steps in it a little bit. And uh, the name of the, uh, the YouTube video is the Professor vs. Trash Talker. That should kind of give you a heads up of what's going on here. But he makes some outrageous claims, uh, this gentleman that's challenging the professor. He talks about how great he is and how he's going to whoop him and all the stuff that goes uh, with that. Now, it draws a crowd on the playground where they're playing basketball. It draws a crowd there, but it also draws a crowd uh, on the Internet because 71 million people have watched this, uh, this game, if you will, between these two. Unfortunately, this guy's outrageous claims about beating the professor or whooping the professor, uh, he's unable to deliver on those claims. And the guy gets beaten and just gets beaten badly. Uh, he gets beaten so bad that the professor jukes him and I think his, his, his literally his shoulder comes out of socket. That's how bad he gets beaten. He pulls a muscle and he's not able to, to complete uh, the basketball game. You know, in the South, we would say something like this, that boy is all hat, no cattle. In our text today, Jesus makes a pretty outrageous claim. And, and he makes one that many would actually think this is outrageous and he probably won't be able to deliver it. According to Martha, who he's talking to in this particular text, she either misunderstands Jesus or tries to let Jesus off the hook. But before we put Martha on trial and convict her uh, with a jury of our peers, let me give you some context. Mary and Martha uh, that we're going to be reading about here, uh, they're obviously sisters. And they've just lost their brother. Their brother, Lazarus, has passed away. He's passed away to an illness. So that'll set up the scene as we get into the text. The text is out of John, again, chapter 11, verse 17. When Jesus arrived... He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. 
As soon as Martha had heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus says these words in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. But everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. I want to go back to verse 21, what we just got done reading. And again, let me read it to you. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Have you ever been there? Disappointed with God's delays? Understanding, not understanding what he's actually doing as you wait? Feeling as if God may have, in fact, left you hanging? Have you ever mumbled something along the lines of Martha? Lord, if you would have stepped in, my brother would still be alive. I don't know about you, but a verse I like to quote is out of Romans 8.28. However, to be honest with you, I usually like this verse better for you than for me. I have a hard time with it, but I certainly like to quote it. It says this, again, Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Jesus goes on to answer his disappointed friend, Martha, in verse 23. He says these words, Your brother will rise again. Martha then responds to Jesus in verse 24. She says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha is clearly not tracking with Jesus. Perhaps she thinks Jesus is, it's, this is Jesus' way of comforting her during this time. She's mourning. She's just lost her brother. Maybe she's, uh, Jesus is pointing out to her that, that Lazarus is indeed going to rise again at a later time. She's not really sure what he's saying. Again, I want to give you some context. This is a woman who is grieving her brother. Uh, the, her brother, not only is she grieving her brother, but this body has been in the tomb for four days. You know, it's hot outside. And the body is literally rotting by this time. You know, people have come to mourn with her, according to what the text says. So there's people all over the place. Uh, the body is, rot is starting to rot. It's been about four days. Uh, to say that it's a bit chaotic would be an understatement. i got to ask you a question. If you had all this going on, if this was you, would you be cool as a cucumber? Yet she still answers Jesus and clarifies his statement, almost like she's trying to help him out. Of course I know Lazarus will rise again. He will, he will be resurrected at the end of the age, like all believers, is what she 
says. Then Jesus breaks down the conversation uh, a little deeper. He takes it to another level. He wants to give her some clarity, and he does so in verse 25, where it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. So what is Jesus teaching Martha? That he is the one who resurrects he is the one who resurrects hope in the midst of loss. He wants her to know not to lose hope. He's got this. You know, I think it'd be helpful if I can give you even more context on this particular text. Um, I think by doing so, you're going to see some things that I saw that kind of cracked me up, to be honest with you. Let's just look at John 11, 1 through 7, and, and talk about it. It says this. Uh, now, a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister, Martha. Martha was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Mary, Martha. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that, she, that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. I don't know if you've caught that, but there are a few notables that we should talk about. In verse 5, it says, Jesus loved Martha, uh, loved her sister, and Lazarus. But in verse 6, it says, So when he heard that he was sick, talking about Lazarus, he stayed two more days in the place he was. Say, what? I mean, how, how is it loving to let your friend die? I mean, that's perplexing. How is it loving to delay coming to the aid of a people who need you? The sisters were calling for him, like, come here, we need you. Lazarus is in trouble. Come, Jesus, come. You know, there's a lesson here uh, that Jesus had already has already decided that he was going to raise Lazarus. And he wanted to raise him, as Jesus himself would tell us in verses 14 and 15. Let me read those to you. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there. What? Let me read that again. Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there, so that you may believe. That is absolutely incredible. So Jesus sees this as an opportunity to raise, raise his friend from the dead so those that he loved will learn a lesson, a valuable lesson, that he is the one that can raise someone, Lazarus, anybody he chooses from the dead, so that they would believe in him for life before the last day. We know that Jesus goes on to raise Lazarus 
from the dead, literally raises him up. We see that account in John 11, 43 through 44. I'll read it to you briefly. He shouted with a loud voice. This is Jesus. Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. He was bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Lazarus is able to live because Jesus died. Today, you and I are able to live because Jesus died and rose again. How precious is Easter? He has risen. He has risen indeed. You know, Jesus poses the question of all questions to Martha. He poses it in verse 26. It says this, do you believe this? In other words, do you believe that I am the resurrection and life? Do you believe that everyone who believes in me will never die? Her response to this question, this powerful life, potentially life-changing question, is found for us in verse 27. She says, yes, Lord, she told him, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. John 11, uh, 20, verse 27. But what about you? Do you believe? Let me say that again. What about you? Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is God's Son? Do you believe that Jesus went to a cross to make atonement for sin. Do you believe that Jesus died and then three days later he resurrected himself and he now sits at the right hand of God the Father? Some believe that after death there's a place called purgatory. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that there is, there, you will not find purgatory any place in the scriptures. You know, some believe that there are many roads to God. You may have heard it said, you know, all roads lead to Rome or something of that nature. You know, the Bible does not say that. That's not true according to God's word. Let me give you scripture, 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Some believe that a loving God would never, ever think about sending anybody to hell, much less actually sending them to hell. I want you to know that you will not find that in any place in Scripture. You see, the Bible is crystal clear. It couldn't be more clear about what happens to us after we die. It's either heaven or hell. We see this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 42. Again, allow me to give you this scripture. He will throw them into a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, he's speaking about the unbeliever. That's where the unbeliever goes, to a place called hell. That is the bad news, and we're talking about Easter, which is good news. But before we get to the good news, we've got to deal with the bad news. 
And that's why I wanted to give you that scripture. But the good news is the cross happened. Good Friday has now passed. And Jesus, according to scripture, tells us that the tomb is empty. There's no more Jesus in that tomb. The grave is empty. The tomb has been, the, the stone has been rolled away. Jesus has in fact risen. We know that all throughout scripture. But let me read you one in particular, which is Luke 24, 6. It says this. Remember when the girls were looking for Jesus. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Praise God for a risen Christ. You know, as I think about the ladies looking for Jesus and they're being reminded that he's not here, he has risen. I wonder if you and I would do the same. I bet you we would. But they were searching for him and they were told he's not here. But let me ask you a question. What about you? What are you searching for? Are you searching for hope in temporal things? Today, how would you answer the question that was posed to Martha? That question was, do you believe? And not only do you believe, but what do you believe? You see, the answers to those questions will determine where you are going to spend eternity. You know, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 15, there's a very important verse that I want to share with you. It says this, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. You know, as the gospel goes forth on this Easter 2020, the gospel is going to be preached. The gospel has been preached during our time together. And so many people will hear the gospel message. And according to Hebrews 3.15, many are going to harden their hearts. They're going to harden their hearts to the gospel. They're going to harden their hearts to God. Did you know that the Bible is God's speak? So anytime that we see the word of God or hear the word of God, that's God speaking to us. What are we going to do with this God who is speaking to us? You know, I heard it said uh, some time ago, and then I've repeated this since, because uh, uh, I had somebody say this to me. Uh, somebody said, Charlie, you know, preacher, you, you keep talking about this Jesus Christ, that, that he's the only way of salvation, and that Jesus is the hope that we have, and so on and so forth. He says, what if you're wrong about this Jesus? You know, I answered this way and said, I lose nothing. But let me pose you a question. What if I'm right about Jesus Christ? Then you lose everything. And I think that's a good way to look at that. That I lose nothing, but you lose everything. You see, the Bible says, for those who repent of their sins and place their faith in Christ alone, he will save. You see, according to God's word, Jesus Christ has defeated sin. He's defeated death. And now this Jesus that I speak of this morning, he sits at the right hand of God the Father. Do you want to know why Jesus is sitting at the right, God, right hand of God the Father? Because there's nothing else to do. He's already done it. He's come to this earth. He walked this earth for 33 years. He had a mission. His mission was to go to the cross and he was slaughtered for our iniquities. Did you know that the cross, on the cross, a legal transaction took place? That Jesus Christ stepped in and he paid your fine 
in his life's blood. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ was paying the penalty for your sins to thousand years ago. He offers us eternal life. How is one saved? By repenting and believing the glorious good news of the gospel. You see, the tomb is empty. The grace clothes, the, the grave clothes have been replaced with the grace clothes. The path to eternal life is in the resurrection. You know, we may live in a good Friday world, but we can live as Easter people. Church, I love you. Have a phenomenal Easter Sunday. If you've trusted Christ for the first time in your life, would you please let us know about it so that we can support you and we can disciple you and help you to grow as a Christian? In order to do that, just simply send uh, myself or one of the elders an email and say, hey, I just trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to learn more about him. I want to be discipled. You can do that by going to charlie at lakeshorecitychurch.com, blake at lakeshorecitychurch.com, or even larry at lakeshorecitychurch.com. I love you.